people don't really understand that like to get to where you think you want to be, you have to first become the type of person that deserves to get that. When you own that, then road bumps that you hit along the way, that's just going to be part of the process. Yep. You're not going to get to the other side of this until you go through those things. And so how quickly can I get there and go through those things? The people we found that um, not only were optimistic, but they had the most grit and they had the most resilience. That optimism really helped with that because they knew that's right. This is actually going to be a good thing for me. You know, going through this right now um, is going to help me so much more down the road. And I think, unfortunately, most people don't have that. Hello and welcome. This is Brian Delaney with Unlock Potential, where we get together with top experts in their field who have simple, profound advice to help you and I live better lives, to be able to be more fit to serve the people around us and answer that question, the question that nags within all of us, how good can I be and how great can I make it for people around me? Welcome back to Unlock Potential. Thanks for joining me today. I'm gonna to be sitting down with Brandon Ellison, founding partner and CEO of Quility, as well as Symmetry Financial Group. He's not only an expert on positive psychology, but he's been a coach and a leader in my life, helping me to get to new levels. And I know this conversation will do the same for you. Join us. So let, let's, uh, let's dig in, Brandon. Yep. Um, I, I remember a few years ago, um, uh, we were, we were, uh, we, I, I think I was like four, three or four years into my career, maybe. So it must, it must've been like eight or nine years ago, but we were, uh, we were in a position growing the company. You were really focused on that uh, seemingly out of left field. We had a lot of training before that, but you introduced, uh, the impact that positive psychology was having mm -hmm. on you, your business development everything like that. And you really brought that to the company through the happiness advantage. That was the first time I experienced yep. that. Why is positive psychology a resource uh, for every CEO that they should be leveraging? And how much does it have to do with success in your mind? You know, I, I uh, first off, thanks for, for having me. This is yeah, awesome. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. You know, I was, I was introduced to Sean Acor through, believe it or not, um, my wife used to watch uh, an Oprah show, and I can't remember what what it was. But she would have guests on, and um, oh, yeah. oh, I remember it was something that Sunday, show. right? It yeah, Soul Super Soul Sunday. Super Soul Sunday, yeah, yeah. it's a great show. Yeah. Um, and she had Sean Acor on one time, and you know, he got into uh, understanding what people want, why they want it. You know, the book was the Happiness Advantage, and I think that kind of became a buzzword. Um, happy. Uh, and I guess maybe now more we think about it as contentment because happiness obviously can be fleeting. Yeah. Anybody that's happy all the time probably has something going on with it maybe. <laughs> but, um, you know, maybe as far as mental illnesses go, that would be that would be the one that you would you would want. If but you get if you get to pick that you happy to, all yeah, the time, <laughs> if you get to pick. I did not get to pick. So I'm sure I have others. But uh so, you know, I remember when I got into, even before I got into the insurance business, my, my mom calling me and saying, you need to be in sales and here's why you need to be in sales. And, um, you know, there was this idea that, uh, that I had a level of optimism and, um, she saw the impact that that would have on other people that she dealt with. And she even sent me an article in Newsweek and it was just talking about the main characteristic to be successful in sales. And, and mm -hmm. then it was, it was optimism and optimism. I think the way that, that they defined it, which is a great definition was your thought that you have the ability to change your future. Yep. Right. You have the ability to change through your actions. Um, your destiny, or at least your destination. Mm -hmm. And so that always resonated with me. And then when I saw Sean Acor, he kind of put it into terms that that really um, just opened up a, a way of thinking for me. I, I guess it was probably 30 years ago, they started in psychology, they started uh, researching and looking into things a completely different way than they always have. You know, psychology has been studied for, I don't know, two, 300 years, maybe more than that. But it had always been... Um, we're going to study what's wrong with the people that are struggling and we're going to try to come up with ways to, to help them. Um, and what posit positive psychology really did is they, they looked at it from a different way and said, we want to study the people that are doing really well. 
And what are the characteristics that people that are succeeding and have happiness and contentment in their lives, what do those people do? Mm -hmm. um, and when you surround yourselves with salespeople like we were, I just, I, I knew that it could have the impact on so many other people that it had on me. And the overall, overall theme to that was that um, in the past, we thought that we were born with uh, a certain level of optimism or mm -hmm. happiness uh, or, you know, whatever the things are that, that, that they, that you're wanting to, to kind of dig into. And, and they found through the research that none of that was true. You're not, you certainly are born with a level of these things, but the brain is malleable and you can change them with, with effort. And if you put a focus on, you know, maybe it's journaling or exercising or associating with the right people, there's so many things that you can do that actually give you the power to, to grow that side of you. And we know that uh, I agree with my mom that one of the most important factors you can have in any business, uh, certainly in sales, is is optimism. Mm -hmm. And so we begin to study, like, how can we help people grow their level of, of optimism? And how do we teach people the pitfalls uh, of the way the brain works? For example, you know, you've you've accomplished so much in your career and it was step by step mm -hmm. by step. And so often people think when I get to this point, I'm going to be happy. Yeah. Maybe it's an income level. Maybe it's a title. Maybe it's a, a uh, I, I, when I get this house or when I get this car or when I get this partner or when I have these kids, my life will, I'll finally be there and I'll be happy. And we know that that's not really the way the brain works. And, I, and so really it was about how do we help people understand what those pitfalls are so that we can help them overcome them and not fall into that trap. Because with salespeople, if, if they don't learn that, if they do fall into that trap, then what are they going to do? They're eventually going to reach a point where they think, well, maybe it's just that I'm not in the right place. That's right. Maybe I need to go change things up and then I'll feel what that person feels, yeah. or maybe I will have what that person has. So um, that was kind of the start of it. And we went and hired uh, a good friend of mine, my wife, Meredith, has a, a master's in counseling. And when we moved here to Asheville, she went to uh, that program with uh, a good friend of ours named Doug Zay. Mm -hmm. Doug had had been working as a behavioral therapist for, you know, probably a decade at that point and had gone through some some kind of lows of his own, own not liking uh, where he was in his career, not liking, um, you know, probably battling a little bit of depression. And so he, at the same time that I was kind of finding this, probably even a little bit before, started studying this and actually took it upon himself to um, run clinics and workshops and stuff for all the people that he worked with mm. uh, and fell in love with it. So we had him come speak at one of our conferences and knew that it yeah. was something that he would be able to add a lot of value to. And that's really opened us up to so many things. I mean, you know, with, with, uh, with, Thrive and Ripple and everything that's kind of stemmed from that. Um, it's allowed Meredith to kind of get in her strength zone and find her sweet spot. And it really has shaped a lot of the culture of the yeah, company. Absolutely. I agree. And I think one of the things that we've seen, one of the benefits that we've seen is more resilience in people. And so therefore more overall resilience in the organization. Yeah. And I, I remember just being that in that time, there was a lot of, uh, the, you know, if I had to look at two major themes at that point in time in my life and career, as I was learning that, it would be uh, greater resilience mm -hmm. and that po this idea of positive psychology, of developing a yeah. positive environment, a positive culture in my own mind and heart. Yeah. And uh, they all come together. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you can't have one without, without the other. Yeah. And grit is so important. You know, that was another... Um, an, another book that we that we read and studied together, mm -hmm. um, because people don't really understand that like to get to where you think you want to be, you have to first become the type of person that deserves to get that, it, and that is such it's such a a moving statement. If when you own that, then these little hiccups and and road bumps that you hit along the way. Mm -hmm you actually understand that that's just going to be part of the process. Yep. You're not going to get to the other side of this until you go through those things. And so how quickly can I get there and go through those things? And the people we found that 
um, not only were optimistic, but they had the most grit and they had the most resilience. Um, that optimism really helped with that because they knew that's right. This is actually going to be a good thing for me. You know, going through this right now um, is going to help me so much more down the road. And I think, unfortunately, most people don't have that. No, they're well. One of the things is where where is that environment that they're learning it? Mm-hmm. Where where is the initiation to learn it? Yeah, it's like this this uh, never quit mentality. It's like yeah, that's almost right, except it's positive psychology. It's like that's the entry point. Those are the foothills to the mountaintop yeah. of getting to this place. And that positive psychology is directly linked to resilience. Those two things they tra- they're traveling partners, mm-hmm. and it was just this idea that hey, I can have an impact. And you just used a word called responsibility. And it's like this idea of, and, and which is not such a hot topic in, in life, in culture, in conversation. No. It's like, hey, when was the last time you took 100% responsibility? Just curious, yeah. right? It's like, that's, ne- that's never how a really pleasant conversation starts or, uh, or the one uh, I remember having a conversation with both you and Casey. And it's like, Whose fault is it that you're here? <laughs> and I was like, I look back at that question and I'm like, that was a pivotal moment in my life. Yeah. And that question needs to be asked on a regular basis in my life. Like, wake up in the, bo- uh, uh, wake up in the morning. Whose fault is it that you're here and what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, it's, um, I, I tend to, to try to be as direct as I can uh, with people. But it, it was really, a, it was, it, that question, I think, is is such a great one because first I'm trying to gauge your response. Yeah, absolutely. Because I need to know if I'm working with someone that will take ownership, mm-hmm. even if you haven't before. Yeah. Or someone that's going to um, kind of play the victim card. And there's nothing more annoying or frustrating to me or nothing that I think is more damaging to someone's ability to to move forward in a positive way than, um, than that victim mentality. Mm-hmm. And uh, gosh, I mean, you know, we see that so often in in the business that we're in. Oh yeah. Um, but I'm so grateful every day that I landed in a business that where if things happen, um, you know, they generally happen because I allowed them to happen. Mm-hmm. And you can't say that with, with other businesses. I mean, listen, there were some people in 2005 and six and seven that were killing it in the mortgage business. Mm-hmm. And then something outside of their control happened with the economy and yeah. everything that happens is they find themselves and we've got people in our organization that were very successful during those days and had yeah. to kind of restart um so that'll teach you some some oh, yeah. grit and really resilience i mean you get to a level where you're earning you know a really high six-figure income and in a matter of a month or two mm-hmm. that goes away yep what a victim would say it, they would never rebound from that. Yep. And so while there may be things that that happen that caused the circumstances maybe that I'm going through, how I'm responding to that and where I'm going from there is what is going to determine whether or not I own it or if I'm allowing it to happen to me and I can't overcome it. That that I guess would be a question that I'm I'm really curious about is like in inside of inside of your perspective when it comes to working and uh yeah, obviously I've seen you, the company, uh, both Symmetry uh, and, and now Quility, the uh, the parent company, uh, I've seen that grow from where it was Casey in that small uh, closet-like office yeah. before there, you guys even owned two thirds of the uh, two thirds of the top floor of the building that you own, mm-hmm. and you weren't you were still in Alabama at the time. Mm-hmm. Your pool table was over in the other one <laughs> That's right. uh, in the beginning, and um, and so you've had the opportunity to lead many people both uh, both uh, inside of the organization at exec levels as well as uh, 1099 salespeople. When it comes to what you're talking about, having grace for someone, where somebody comes from, how, how they've been affected by that, mm-hmm. but still applying, uh, giving them opportunities to be responsible and actually expecting responsibility as a, as a response. Um, wh- wh- how do you look at that? Like, wh- how, do you, how do you gauge that? So you're not letting somebody off the hook a- as a victim. Sure. But you're, and you're still <clears throat> telling them the best thing. But you're coming from a place of understanding. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think there's a healthy level of of, uh, of understanding, as you're saying, and um, grace. Mm-hmm. And I think we can tell if people are, are actually trying and moving forward um, versus people that, you know, they want it for themselves less than I want it yeah. for them. 
And, you know, I think it's so crucial in building any business that you surround yourselves with the right people and you got to be really quick to make changes if they're necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to be quick to fire someone if they're not getting the job done. Mm. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be quick to give people another option, another opportunity. I'm going to give them the chance to really capitalize on opportunities. And I watch their feet. I watch, are they moving? Are they doing the right things? Are they giving effort? Yep. And that's generally a pretty easy thing to, to see because if somebody's not doing a good job, um, but they are giving effort and I think they have the ability to do it. Then I got to look internally and say, well, I'm not doing a good enough job training this person or getting the person to live up to the standard that we're trying to create as an organization. That's right. And, you know, so there's a there's a give and take. There's like as a as a leader, you have to be willing to say, is this on them or is this on me? Um, yes. Because a lot of times it's going to be on me because I haven't taken the time to set the right expectation, to actually define the standard, to create a culture so that they're held accountable, not only by me, but by eventually themselves, but yeah. always by everyone else around them. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, there's, it, it takes time and it takes intentionality um, because it's real easy to just, uh, even especially with agents to say, well, they're not doing it. You know, I can do it. Mm -hmm. If I can do it, why shouldn't they be able to do it? And pretty soon it turns into, well, why am I the only one that's able to do this? Doing it. You know, the self-doubt um, loop all of a yeah. sudden comes. It's like, <clears throat> I I must be so good and so many so exactly. these other people must be so bad. It's uh, like this, like this ego thing that happens too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm. No no question. because we're not we're not um and I think especially even more so when you're when you're talking about um staff and the people that are helping you try to build the company internally is you know, generally, generally the way that it works is you're first hiring people to do the things that you're not good at mm -hmm. or that you don't like to do or that are costing you money doing them. So it's my job to, to slow to hire, quick to fire, meaning I got I to gotta find the right people to surround myself with. And then I got to slow down, step away from maybe some things that feel like they're urgent or at least very important. And I got to take the time to get them up to speed on what is expected and what they need to do to do their jobs. And I can't effectively grade them until I've given them that opportunity. Yeah. And if you find yourself constantly rotating through people, um, it a lot of times it can come back to that. You're not intentional enough about spending enough time to make sure that someone that you knew, or at least from their resume and from the interview, had the ability to do the things that you need them to do. If they're not doing them, it's probably on me. Yeah. And, and that's, it's such a, it's such a big deal because we hear so many of the things like the, these, uh, these chants of the business owner. It's so hard to find good people. It's, mm -hmm. you know, my people never do what I ask them. They're always looking for time. I'm like, woe I'm, is me. Yeah. I, it's this woe is me victim mindset. And mm -hmm. they're like, why do all my people have a victim mindset? And this <laughs> is just like, I, like when I, I, thankfully I've been around, I've had enough good association with the right people like yourself, like, uh, like other leaders within symmetry mm -hmm. and other uh, leaders and coaches outside of symmetry as well. Um, who have who have kind of put that into my head so that it's almost like I have to laugh at myself at this point. It's like you got to stop being a dumbass right now. <laughs> like, if you say this, have brutal honesty with yourself. Good. Yeah, yeah. If you say this, this is going to be really bad to give voice to because now you've said it. And uh, but I, I think I think the alternative and the message the message that um, the message that leaders need to hear is like those same complaints that you have about your people, your people may have those same complaints about you. And are those true? Because if we can just close those gaps and then learn how to, from that posture, bring that to other people, not from a place of desperation, but from a place yeah. of uh, conviction and a place of like knowing, hey, this is what the numbers should look like. Why aren't they there? Yeah, and, yeah. and how do you get to that point without, um being open enough and putting your ego enough in your back pocket to say that you're willing to take the feedback. Yeah. You know, I take a look in the mirror and it is the hardest thing to do to, to poll people, to survey people, um, or to ask people like, what are my blind spots? What am I not good at? How can I serve you better? That's a very difficult thing to do that most people aren't willing to do, but it's really the only way to kind of get to where you're talking about getting to. 
That's funny that you say that. I found that to be easy because I just don't read the results. <laughs> <laughs> I just we send it out, make people think we're listening, never touch the That's results. Right. So as long as right. as long as I just don't say things to... like "We heard you loud and clear." Yeah, we got we're it. We working on. Your, yeah, we received your feedback. We've yeah. brought it in, and as long as you keep giving a solid effort and improve your numbers, we will take that seriously. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But but that is a that is a real that is a real thing. It's like it is really hard to get feedback especially when you haven't been giving it recently. And for me, I find that if I see something and I don't say something, I get more frustrated and then yeah. I lose belief that they'll even hear me. And then the communication gap is so wide at that point yeah. that only a sincere and uh, conscientious effort to be uh, vulnerable will allow me to bridge that gap. Yeah, that's and, right. And, and that's the... Uh, um, yeah, that's, that's a tough word, isn't it? Vulnerability. <laughs> I, uh, did you did you hear me stutter in my head? <laughs> so it's a tough one. Well, it is because that's not a lot of the language around business and around leadership hadn't included words like uh, vulnerability, positive psychology, um, productive conflict. It was all yeah. about I, you know, I say jump, you say how high. Especially in, in a sales culture, to where uh, you're, it's never enough. Well, it's, right? Yeah, it is, and there, I I think. I think sometimes what we do is we swing the pendulum too far. And that's where I've really appreciated your leadership over the years is sometimes a pendulum can swing from this place of like, hey, I own you because you work in my business and you have to do what I say. And if you don't, it's like you're going to get blacklisted. Right. And mm -hmm. so there was this there was this weird pressure manipulation um, side of things rather than earning someone uh, earning influence with somebody. Mm -hmm. And then there's this other side that's extremely permissive. Yeah. This permissive of like everything goes like, Hey, you messed up. We understand. Yeah. Um, They're I, both equally as bad for the culture. Right. The last thing I would want in my life is a sympathetic paramedic. <laughs> you know, I don't want I don't want to be in a car accident and somebody pulls up. You're uh, probably going to be fine. The ambulance pulls up and they're like, ah, oh, I'm so sorry this happened. It happened to my grandma two weeks ago. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I hope you're going to be OK. Ah, oh, I can't believe you got another act. Like they're right there. I want I want an empathetic. I want an empathetic, but I want an action oriented one. It's like, yeah, we hey, got to move on that hey, one. Hey, let's uh, let's uh -huh. let, I can't even hear you because my ear is bleeding. Let's go. But that's that's the exact same thing with a leader. I don't need a sympathetic leader. What I need is somebody who has empathy and conviction because that's what's going to give me confidence. And I think that's where a, a lot of a lot of leaders are really trying to find their footing and their voice in this culture where it's so easy for somebody to say that person said the wrong thing to me yeah. and sometimes it can feel wrong when the right things are said to you sure you know yeah. that, so how how do you how do you continue to strike that balance because i know you've been doing this for over yeah. 20 years now at this point well i think i think we we are constantly trying to improve upon the culture, which is one of results, mm -hmm. but it's also one of um, grace, fun, mm -hmm. um, uh, growth, personally, mm -hmm. um, accountability, mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think you know we we just we try to always treat people probably better than they deserve, mm -hmm. unless or until they've done something that you know obviously is un unforgivable, mm -hmm. um, but. I think that, you know, there's there's what people are really looking for in our business and probably most businesses is is to be a part of something bigger than yeah. themselves. They want to be seen. They want to be recognized. They want to be respected. Um, and so I think there's there's an acceptance. There's a kindness that we want to have. Um, but there's also a um, maybe not a demand, but there's certainly an expectation for results. And, the, and I think the beauty of what we do is that uh, those results can look however you want them to look. Yep. You know, you, you get to choose yep. that. But there's got to be a healthy communication so that I know that, so that I'm expecting more from you than what you're wanting to get. Because if you're using too many resources to get it, as an example, then are taking too much time from someone um, from you, if some of if some of your agents are taking too much time from you, you know, it's it, you always got to understand. And I would have conversations with the people that are not showing up to get better. Yeah. You know, at times when they should be showing up, they're not showing up to practice, mm -hmm. but they want to call me after hours to kind of go over the playbook. Yeah. Right. And it's like any any minute that I'm giving you is minute I'm taking away from someone else. Yeah. And a lot of that could be 
my wife or my children or the other things that I need to do in my life or other business partners or whatever. And so I think it's important that you set the expectation of, you know, what do you do to, to get the time? Because time is extremely important. Time from your leader is really important. And so the best coaches out there aren't going to give you all the time in the world if you're not showing up to practice. You ain't going to be on the team. But I think that's what people want a lot of times, especially in a 1099 world, is because th there is the idea and the reality that you get to 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 work when you want to work in, in a lot of situations. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you need to be taking time from somebody else that they're just free to give whenever they need to give it. Right. That's so I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of things like that that we just try to do. Setting boundaries for yourself. It's extremely important. Yeah. Um, this is a business. And I think a lot of businesses, when you're a business owner like you are, are like this to where it can feel like if you're not careful that you're always on. Absolutely. And there is nothing worse for most people mm -hmm. than always being on. Or be or being one of those people who's around someone who's always on. Yeah. Yep. Dude, that's so annoying. That's so annoying. I, it, it, it's, it, and I get it. There's a season for that. But if that's, sure. if that's, if that's a lifetime. Oh, you're going to burn yourself out or you're going to. Yeah. You're going to live a short life. You yeah. know, we're not designed to do that. Um, and as much purpose as you can get from your company and from the people that you surround yourself with, you know, if you don't have balance in your life and you're not doing other things, then that can be and usually is pretty short lived. Yeah. So I think a lot of what we're talking about is you've got to set boundaries for yourself to know, like when we were starting the company, um, I was burning it at both ends. I had two kids at home that were very young and luckily Meredith and I kind of talked through like this is going to be a season where I'm going to be gone a lot um, but she was so good at saying these are going to be the times that you can do everything you need to do with the family and nothing gets in the way of that yep maybe it's Saturday morning and Sunday mm -hmm. maybe it's Friday night whatever that may look like but there are times when just like everything else you got to be extremely intentional about putting that stuff in your calendar and then you gotta have the boundaries to not not let other things sneak in because nobody will give those to you and no, and, and i think that's you. i think that's where business owners yeah including myself over the years just get just continue to get better at setting those boundaries mm -hmm. and watch people's response to them because yeah. because the first time i met somebody with boundaries i thought they didn't like me <laughs> i thought they i thought they i was like i am not going to be friends with this person <laughs> and i ended up having a great friendship and an immense respect for that person because mm -hmm. what i what i figured out is they thought they were important important enough to set boundaries to communicate clearly with other people to say hey if you want to be a friend with me this is what it's this is what it looks like this is how i can be heard and she was just dialed in and intentional and the first time i was like this is usually a lot more of a casual experience, <laughs> but, but she had to, and yeah, it sounds like a good example. Yeah. It, it taught me, it, it taught, it did. It taught me a lot for sure. But there's, there are times, uh, in our business where, especially in the beginning where there's a huge focus on intensity, but that has to switch to longevity. Yeah. It's got to switch to longevity. And that, that is because that is where we see burnout because you will begin. And I've, I've been through this. I've done this mm -hmm. personally as a leader is burn out all the people around me mm -hmm. because I, I know how to do intensity for a long time. And I'm willing to sacrifice a lot for intensity mm -hmm. without learning the lessons of where longevity plays a big part. And that's yeah. that, that transition as a business owner, I, f I feel like is, uh, is one that positive psychology allows you to arrive at because yeah. you're in a place where it's like, yes, I can affect change in the way that I feel because it's not just about getting through this day. It's not about building a business for the next 10 years. Yeah. This is about, th this is thinking like a lot of experts in other countries do about generational mm -hmm. business, about longevity, about what are we going to do? How are we going to act in our business today so that it impacts whoever is around this business in 50 years from now, yep. in a hundred years from now, are we setting the foundations right? And yeah, well said. Yeah. It's just, um, I think a lot of what you're talking about is just, you, you plan all of that. Mm -hmm. It's all intentional. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. and that's the hard, that, that's actually the easy part, the planning and the, and the being intentional, but then you stick to that. Yeah. <laughs> you hold yourself accountable to that. Yeah. You get graded on that. Mm -hmm. If you're lucky enough to surround yourself with people that, you know, because we were talking about taking feedback earlier. I think exactly. it's really important that you're taking feedback from someone that is either where you want to be or that you love, admire, respect. Mm -hmm. You know, it's mm -hmm. really easy to take feedback from somebody that you may not necessarily want their feedback. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but I think what you're talking about is just, you know, having the intentionality to kind of set the plan and live in it. Yeah. And the hard part's the, when it hits the pavement. Yeah, you exactly. Know, are you going to not take that call from a potential client or an agent because you're with your family at a certain time? Mm-hmm. Um, even though it, uh, if you haven't set the right expectation, it could have like a, a negative repercussion. I, I remember uh, one of one of a coach and a, a great friend. He was also uh, the officiant at my wedding, Drew McClure. Love he, Drew. He, yeah. he said. He said. So when was the last time you pre- you prepared for a date like you prepared for a conference call? <laughs> and I was I was looking at I was just like low blow, buddy. Hey, it's like easy. <laughs> How about you? When was the last time you've done that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's probably like last uh, night. Yeah, exactly. That's that's why you're paying me. And and it, it's uh it was so but it was so true. I was like, yeah, I just feel like I just feel like I I run out of I run out of things to say. And he's like, Well, that's because you don't think of things to say. And he said it's it's really simple. It's like they don't need the same as business owners, I think we struggle. We get pulled into two worlds and don't do well in either. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I've seen with, from you over the years is this focus and this ability to say, my business is important to me and my family is important. And I'm going to give these, my business and my family, what they need. And I'm going to do for myself what I need to do as well. Mm-hmm. And you have an understanding, and this is something I've definitely reflected on in your leadership and also in mine, is just... They don't need the same quantity of time. Mm-hmm. They just need the same quality of me. Mm-hmm. They just, I, they just, they just don't need to get what the leftovers. Sure, they don't deserve the leftovers. Yeah, and that's that's that that caused a lot of trouble in my life, and it's yeah. caused a lot of peace in my life since I've I, yeah. gotten that dialed in. So. I mean, I've been extremely lucky to have you know a, a wife that early on saw to it, a partner that saw to it that I did those things the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't know that I would have uh, always been intentional about that had I not been taught the importance mm-hmm. and been held to a standard yeah. that this is the way it needs to, to happen. Um, you know, a lot of people aren't, aren't lucky enough to, to kind of have grown up in a way where you learn those things, right? So that's, I think it's why it's so important to kind of surround yourself with people that um, can help you hold that mirror up. Yeah. It's so important that you that you surround yourself and you have someone that you can trust and count on that can do that. Because, you know, when you're going through a phase in your life where you feel like you really want something um, and you really need to get a lot of work done to get there to where you're trying to go, it's really, really easy to let other things slip that are probably more important at the end of the day. They're probably more important than what you're actually trying to accomplish. You get, it's, it's, I think it's easy to get to the top and go to the top without the people around you that you love and care about. It just becomes hard to come down. Oh yeah. It's It's like, it's It's not worth it at all. Exactly. You realize you did all the things and you've got that, you've got that destination, you've got Mm -hmm. that destination disease and you're Mm -hmm. just, and then you get there it's like, where's the next mountain? It's like, oh, the next mountain is, is right where you left them. Yeah. Down a base camp. It's, it's like, like that, getting them back. Yeah, exactly. Now yep. you got to climb that one. That would, and that, yeah, mm-hmm. that definitely has been a, uh, been a big lesson for me for sure. Hey, this is Brian Delaney with Unlocked Potential. I want to invite you to join our Patreon where we release to you exclusive content so that you can get to the next level of your life and have the tools necessary to build the life of your dreams, have the relationships that you desire and truly be a part of a community of people who not only desire growth, but are making it happen now. We'll see you there. Going back to what you said, uh, you talked about, you were just saying growing up, and I think it's funny if like we could take our like our leadership driver's license or if uh, they imagine if our insurance licenses had a picture of them from our first one we you go back i i have a lot of my driver's license i go back i'm like they let me drive a car that's great <laughs> probably wasn't advisable and i feel the same way about my insurance license uh-huh. it's like wait they let they they said it was okay yeah. <laughs> and i had had experience before that but I, I think a lot of people they look at somebody who's had the success that you've had both personally and professionally with your family uh, you know i get to I get to, I just got to uh, see Addie Ruth and just, you can, she's a confident, 
Mm. young lady just like just watching your kids and and watching them develop so personal success professional success they think that you were always this guy (laughs) and so what what was it what was that like growing up and where do you feel like what lessons do you feel like you learned that still serve you today oh god there's there's probably you know hundreds if not thousands of my you know my father was uh my stepfather came in the picture when i was about five or six years old my father and mother got separated before I was born. And so when my mom got remarried, she uh, married a preacher in Alabama. And and the denomination that he was a part of, you got to move about every, supposed to be probably every six or seven years. That's if you're lucky, it could be every three or four years. And so, you know, they've been married for a year and then we pick up in third grade or fourth grade and moved to a new town and I stayed there for three years and picked up, moved to a new town. And then a couple of years and moved to a new school, then finished high school and, and went to college. So I lived around a lot of people mm-hmm. um, and I had to learn pretty quickly uh, how to connect with those people. Mm-hmm. Um, man, being a kid is tough. Yeah, It's easy to get bullied. It's easy to, you know, um, it, it's, it's really can be challenging when you're the new kid. And so I had to learn how to talk. Mm-hmm. I had to learn how to connect. I had to learn. Um, there's also a level of toughness yeah. that I had to learn. You know, mm-hmm. I think um, going, changing schools, I went, I was a, a public school kid my whole life. Um, and then for high school, my parents sent me to a private school. I think they saw the direction I was going in and they were like, yeah, uh, you know, this is probably not going to end well. So extremely grateful that they were able to get me into a really small little little private school. And I think that changed the course of my life, um, not only because I got a much better education, but also because I had to develop a different type of toughness. Hmm. You know, I had a little chip on my shoulder because I was behind from an education standpoint. I didn't want to be the kid that was behind. I also didn't want um, to be, you know, forever the, the person that had the least amount of money. Yeah. And so for the first time in my life, I was around – um, you know, successful business people that I had never been around these people. And what I learned is that these are actually really good people. These are like kind. Most of them are extremely nice. I don't know where you grew up. Or when you grow up, it's like you hear that, you know, people with money are, are, are bad. And not that my family ever said that, but it's just kind of the messaging when you're lower middle class or whatever. And we're going to have to cut that part out. Okay, we we cannot break down the myth that wealthy people are bad. This will not. I refuse to allow that. Dave, make sure to cut that part out. We like well. What there's a few that was things. so important to evil, to my bad, sad. They're telling you though. Like it was so important to my development. I would I would go over to friends' houses and they would have nice houses and they would have some of them would have swimming pools and some of them would have um you know fancy cars or lake houses or a second house or some of these other things and that created that that drove me so much because i think before that point in my life i never even thought that having something like that or becoming someone like that was a possibility yeah you know um and so i think there was like when you're really young when i was really young i had to develop a a grit and toughness around kind of like physical grit and yeah. toughness. Yeah. Um, and I think later on and even into college developed uh, a grit and toughness um, and a desire to man go accomplish something yeah. with your life. Mm-hmm. And you, I, I see these people that have done that and you're different than they are. Yeah. You know, and I was able to kind of hunker down, catch up academically, finished really, you know, high in my class, um, went to Alabama and again, surrounded myself with, with people that were doing really well. Yeah. I was in a fraternity. Um, I had to pay for it myself, you know, but because I joined that fraternity, I met Matt Goforth, who's Mm -hmm. helped me start companies and has has been my personal attorney. And now the company's attorney for many, many, many years. Um, Todd Spivey, Mm -hmm. uh, who's, you know, in charge of our sales. Uh, You got, um, I've, I've done business with, other fraternity members and not that fraternity sororities anything matters it's just like who you associate with is going to ultimately determine where you go oh yeah and how you get there and i've been lucky enough to find some some ride or die friends that um that have helped us accomplish some really 
really good things. And we've done those things together. Chase Allen is another person that that joined the organization a couple of years ago that was a fraternity brother of mine. So um, I'm a big believer in who you're associating with. Yep. And without those things, had I not decided to go to, to Alabama, because I was raised by Auburn people, <laughs> I kind of became a Bama fan because my grandfather and aunt kind of taught me how to rebel against my parents. A little bit. <laughs> had I not made that decision, I was 10 years old mm. when I made that decision. And because of that, I met all the people I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. I met my wife also because of the people that I just mentioned. Yep. Um, I end up in uh, first Colorado and then here in Asheville, start the company because of all those things. I meet Casey Watkins. Mm-hmm. So there's all these little sliding door moments that are fun to kind of look back and think through, like, what if I had not made that decision? Some mm-hmm. of the most important decisions you can make, though, are who are you deciding to spend your time with. Yeah. Who are you taking advice from? Who are you associating with? You know, that stuff, especially now that uh, as a as a father, mm-hmm. um, like you are, you understand how important that stuff is. Oh, yeah. Like one of the things that you get most worried about is like, is my kid hanging out with the right people? Are they taking advice and mentoring and coaching from the right people? That's right. It's the most important thing that you can do as a parent mm-hmm. is to make sure that, that your kids are doing those things. So, um, you know, there were a lot of lessons like that kind of coming through life. And then, of course, coming into the business, there was a ton of lessons. We, Casey and I worked with a guy that probably taught us for seven years, for three of the seven, four of the seven years, maybe even five of the seven years, it was really good. Mm-hmm. The economy kind of tanked. It started to get really bad. We learned a lot about how to do things the right way. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, we learned a lot about how not to do things. That's... And all lessons are important. Yep. You know? Yeah. And so I think what shaped the culture, a lot of the company is some of the stuff that that he and I had to go through um, in some of those really tough years. I mean, I think it was tough for everybody in 08, 09, and, and 10. But um, I think going through all of that mm-hmm. is what taught us who we wanted to be, who we wanted to try to become, and what we wanted to try to build. Yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 I get to be the recipient of a lot of both of those lessons. Once you learn of what to do and the hell no, I'm not going to be that way, right? That's a, that's a big thing. And I think I think this is a, a point I, I want to stop at because they there's a lot of people who are who and people experience this organizationally as leaders and people experience this as part of a team is where they start learning from somebody. They start to associate for, for, with somebody in the beginning. They just project what they want on the person. They don't see the real person. But over time, that projection starts to break down. You start to get to the real person. Mm. And then you get your all of a sudden you're like, oh, that person's real. I'm per- I'm a real person. And it's like, oh, I don't like that about that person. Hmm. And then they use that reality to start picking them apart. What I've seen uh, from you is for you to create an organization where people uh, around you, they're able to uh, they're able to go through this process of very, very dependent in the beginning to this place where they become uh, a great leader in their own right mm-hmm. to this place where they become better than uh I, I see this on my team i have leaders who are way better than me at what they do than i sure. am at what they do well that's what they're, you're open for constantly but but as a leader it, there, there's a chance that you take there's a risk there's a risk that you take there it's like wow this person has a lot of influence and sway with the members of my company and I'm not, I'm not bullying them back down, right? I'm not like mm-hmm. putting them in that position, but instead I'm creating space around me for, uh, for a big table, a big table of people who can, and where we're going to grow from that. Yeah. What's, what's your experience been with that? Because I know you're, you're, you bring, uh, you bring a lot of authority with you and a lot of conviction, but you're still able to do this other thing where it's like create space for people to grow around you. Yeah. They don't have to just grow beneath you, but they can grow up around you. What, what's that? Yeah, I think that's what every leader is really is striving to do is, is how do I help people, you know, find their path? And that's going to take maybe a little bit more work in the beginning and for them to to kind of be able to to get to where they're going and to understand the the value of you know, like we always say, man, they got to work on themselves to become the type of person that can get to where they're going. But I have mm-hmm. to have grace to see them through that part because it can be, it can be messy. And I, I think you're you're spot on. Like uh, most leaders will will let the ego talk a little bit and actually self sabotage because um, you've got somebody that is in your organization and they're coming up and they're doing really well. And you know, am I going to lose 
my ability to have an impact or my ability to have a relationship with other people because they're going to outshine me. Yeah. Right. And then ultimately what ends up happening is people try to hold people back Mm -hmm. and then there's resentment and Mm -hmm. it never, ever ends well. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I think you see some of the, um, some of the best coaches out there, of course, I'm a, I'm a big Alabama fan. And Mm -hmm. um, I think Nick Saban is such a great, leader for so many reasons uh, he gets beat up in the media a little bit and that's okay but he um he has created an organization uh everywhere he's been where his he feels like his job is to go hire people and then move them on to become and do their own thing yeah and when you look at the lineage of coaches that have kind of come from that kirby smart doing what he's done in georgia you know, Lane Kiffin. I mean, we can go on and on. There's there's probably five or six coaches just in the SEC, Sarkeesians at Texas. I mean, all these huge programs that, that Nick Saban, if he were to do what you were talking about and bring him in and say, I need to hold you down. You need to be an offensive coordinator here forever. No. You know, now that he, he has created this perfect process of bringing people in, a lot of times rehabbing their career. Yeah. Um, and sending them off and it's amazing how quickly that happens that's phenomenal two years is what it would take for him to bring in a lane kiffin or three years that was like a pariah yeah. in football or steve sarkeesian who got left on the tarmac because he was going through some really hard personal struggles struggles it took him two years to rehab him and get him to one of the best jobs in all of college football which was the university of texas and it's you know I, I think that there's so many great lessons in that, that your job as a leader is not to hold people back. It's to get people to where they need to be. If that's even better than you, mm-hmm. great. Yeah. That means that you've done a much better job than even you set out to be. That's and right. that shouldn't reflect poorly on on you. You know, it only will if you don't manage that the right way. Yep. Um, and so I think that's as leaders, that's, that should be all of our goals is how do I find someone, give them grace through the transitional periods, you know, be there for them when they need uh, probably less and less as they move along their path, but still be there to mentor them. And I may look up one day and this person's making twice the impact of the income that I'm making. Mm -hmm. That's not a bad reflection on me, man. That is, that's like, that's how you build purpose in what you're doing. That's right. And I think as a leader, we learn lessons along the way, especially if you, if you're more than that, just by way of title, but you can look behind you and you can, you can see, and you can look beside you and you can see that team that you've, uh, that you've really grown and developed. But all along the way, we learn these lessons of having to sacrifice what we have so we can have more of that. Having to sacrifice this thing that we got as a reward mm-hmm. for all of our work. And you're saying, I gotta let go of that in order to, in order, yeah, indeed you will. Like your expertise, you're gonna have to sacrifice your expertise in order to raise experts. Yeah. You're gonna have to sacrifice this ego and this conviction that you've had in order to create the space for other people who have that. And when you try to hold on to people, yeah. sometimes you hold them back and, 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 and it minimizes, it yeah. minimizes their ability to act thoughtfully and become one of those people who are right by your side who are saying, Hey, look, look at this over here. And, and I see your leadership team, especially the top levels. It's like, you've got a 360 degree view. Because there's people watching out for things all around and Absolutely. people who are prepared to do it. And that's that's yeah. strong. The most important thing you can have after a, a even, you know, 10 year career, 15 year career is relationships. Yeah. The positive relationships that you that's create great. because you never know where your path is going to go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see people um, burn those things out, burn those relationships to the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casey and I used to say, you know, you, you see people constantly chasing a $5 bill into traffic. Like what <laughs> yeah. are we doing? We're, we're sacrificing so much for like a very short term gain that it's probably going to come back and bite me really hard one day because I'm going to need you, Brian. I'm going to need other people that we've worked with. And I think the respect that you can kind of get from, from helping people get to where they're going and the relationships you build because of that, because of the sacrifice you make, most important thing that you can give to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but people don't, they don't see it that way. And then they end up um, oftentimes, you know, not where they had planned to be and certainly not surrounded by the people that they hope to be surrounded by. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is like, we only have so much time in a day. Yeah, I only have so much time in my, in my calendar year mm-hmm. If I'm 
spending time holding people back, that's time that I could be spending lifting people up. Yeah. And so I got to be very wise with how I'm spending my time, just like everything else in business. You know, how are you investing your time and your energy? And if you're doing it for positive things, yeah. positive things will happen. That's if right. you're doing it for spiteful or ego driven things, positive things are probably not going to happen. And if mm-hmm. they do happen, it won't be for very long. Sure. And that's something when we had uh, Casey on, it, he, he drew that distinction. He said, does it work and does it last? Does it work? And like, how do you sleep at night? And how long is your organization mm-hmm. going to really last? Because we, like, for me, that's one of the reflective points. It's like, I may think that I've done a lot of d- development as a leader and, and which I know I can, I can see that over time. I know the work that I put in, but I look at other people and I see, my goodness, that person doesn't seem like they've done nearly the development, but they're killing it. Mm-hmm. They're killing it. And it's like, what's their experience behind the scenes and how long does their organization yeah. last? And I think that's what you're hitting on. Yeah, yeah. You know, you never want to fall into the trap of comparing yourself with other people. I think everybody's, mm-hmm. Comparison you know, everybody's got uh, their stuff, you know, who knows what served them in the past. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's important to know that, man, everybody's fighting a fight that we know nothing about. Um, mm-hmm. And they may have fought the good fight in the in the past and they may be going through something now that when you're seeing them for the first time makes them come across a way that probably they don't want to come across, but it does. And so I think the, um, just as a human, the best thing you can have is as little judgment as possible. Yeah. You know, um, because everybody's going through something. That's right. We all know nothing about what it is. And that person that uh, I work with may show up and be just be having a really bad day and Mm -hmm. you can see it on their face or you can see it in their actions. Yeah. I'm not saying you, you, tolerate that kind of stuff for forever obviously because you're trying to maintain a culture but you know just don't judge it's life's a lot easier if you don't or just like communicate so you figure mm-hmm. it like that's mm-hmm. it it's you know if you can approach it with that because yeah that that whole idea of you don't know the you don't know the war somebody's fighting behind the scenes no yep. i mean how many times have have I been on the other side of that where I was fighting the war and I was trying to do that. And then somebody, oh, that guy is strange. It's like, you should see the shit that's going on in my life. That's what's strange. <laughs> like, yeah, like that's, I'm, I'm doing my best over here. I'm fighting I think that's for my the life. right. Meredith always says, man, just if you will assume everybody's doing the absolute best they can do. Yep. Frustration will go way down. Mm-hmm. And as I tell her every time she says that, man, it's a lot easier said than done. Oh yeah. But you just assume the best, right? Assume yeah. the best in people. Everybody's doing the best they can. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Speaking on that, um, you're uh, being the uh, co-founder, uh, one of the co-founders of uh, Symmetry and Quility. When I came into the organization, I start selling insurance. I pull up for the first day for my interview, and I see Casey is sell- Casey asked me if, uh, if my car, what, he was like, you, do you drive a Volkswagen Jetta? And I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, I thought that was my car that I was selling. And I was like, you got to be far further ahead of me than this. <laughs> like, I had, like worried me. I was like, you're selling a Volvo. When did you get it? Like, was this, <laughs> how long have you been trying to sell that for? Do you have a nicer car? Like, I had uh-huh. so many questions. But another thing that I saw. That's the, part of that sales trap culture though, right? Oh, like, 100%. Most, most places you come from, especially in a sales culture, is like, man, I got to show it. Oh. If I'm making it, I better show it. I better be wearing it. I better be driving it. I better be Even living if in I'm it. not. Especially, especially if I'm not. not. <laughs> and that's what that's I was right. used to. I was used yeah. to like people flaunting it and like, you know, so many people saying they make mm-hmm. six figures. Somehow the insurance industry has a hundred percent six figure earn rate. <laughs> like, price, 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 yeah. it's, it's crazy when you talk to people, not yeah. when you check their bank accounts so, though. Right. So, um, but you know, Casey, Casey was there. I heard your name on the leaderboards uh, early on, and you were you were out. You both were out there making it happen. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I was I was like, man, it's it. In my mind, I was like, ah, it's there's a there's a level of success that I want to see in the organization. And on the other side, I was like, I know what this is. These guys, they're in it. Mm-hmm. They're in it. They're making it happen. And yep. the organization has just continued to grow and propel. Uh, forward through the more people we serve, the more partners, that, the more great partnerships we have, the more lessons we learn. Um, at not only you guys as owners, but us as a leadership team, and having great people by the by the side, we've done all this growth. Most organizations would be in a place where it's like, no, we did, we we're good, we're yeah. making what we need to make, we're doing that. Yep. Number one, what drives you? Number two, where do you see quality and symmetry 
the organization that you're one of the leaders of going to next? Yeah. Um, you know, I think what you're first, what you're talking about is, do you want a, a leader that is going to do what they say you need to do? Yeah. You know, yep. and, and not, not that you can do everything because you're hiring for positions, obviously, that you've never done when you get to a certain level. But when it comes to, you know, the insurance business, um, it would be really hard for me to take advice from somebody that um, didn't deal with clients, didn't deal with agents, didn't deal with the tough personalities of that. And um, I'm a big believer that people are going to follow and move a lot faster based on what you do and not what you say. That's right. Um, and, you know, we also really needed to do that, man. You came in at a great time where the company was so new mm. that we were fighting our way through it and trying to figure things out. So uh, in terms of, of what drives us, I think the the beauty of of a lot of the, the work that we've done and continue to do is the understanding that what drives me today is not going to be what drives me tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, what drove me, you know, in 2009 was getting out of debt and trying to start a company and fighting a lawsuit, yeah. you know, and trying to spend as much time with my family along the way as I could. And um, so I think you constantly have to reassess those things uh, because of the way, as we've talked about, the way the brain works. I mean, you may get to where you're making a million dollars a year, Brian, and you're going to wonder what it feels like to make two. Yeah. You know, and you're mm-hmm. constantly going to be wanting those uh, that that gratification of, of, of where you're going. But I do think it's important that you that you continually reassess those things so that you do have something out in front of you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a big part of, I think, the purpose work that we've done. But I think what drives us now, um, and I can speak for Casey, probably said the same thing, is is um, seeing other people have a level of success that, that they never thought mm-hmm. that they could have. Mm-hmm. Seeing people have the ability to experience life and things um, and have more time yeah. and freedom than they've ever had. And I think it, if you really could kind of boil it down to one word, it would just be impact. Yeah. Um, you know, because we have this huge group of like-minded people that are all so different. Yeah. Um, they have the ability to go out and have an impact on not only themselves and their, their families, but their communities, Mm -hmm. the charitable organizations that they choose to work with. Um, and the clients that we're sitting with from a retirement perspective and from a perspective of when they're having to deal with the worst day of their life and having yeah. to, to, to still have time to, to grieve um, and not be thinking about how their house is going to be, their mortgage notes going to be paid, right? So I think it's all about impact. Um, and I think that's the beauty of this business is that, you know, you're compensated directly proportionate to the impact that you make. Yep. And that isn't, that, that's me, that's you, that's every other agent and agency owner that we have in the company, um, the bigger the impact, the more money they're going to make. The more yep. families you help as a salesperson, the more money you're going to make, which is a great way to be. That's right. Um, but I think the bigger the company gets and the things that we're working on behind the scenes with Quility in terms of you know what that's going to look like in a couple of years, I, I have an idea. It's probably going to change a little bit. I think a lot of the products that we're putting out there and a lot of the way that we'll be engaging with with clients it is going to revolutionize the way that you buy and sell life insurance mm-hmm. um, and even annuities and mm-hmm. other types of insurance yeah. down the road. Um, the, the the way that people can get underwritten more specifically so that they're getting more value out of the stuff that they're purchasing, I think is such a great gift that Quillity's going to be offering people. Yeah. You know, you're not going to be uh, overpaying for certain things or you're not going to, you, you don't have to worry, am I getting um, the best deals or am I getting the, the best value? Uh, I think mm-hmm. for an agent, man, things even now, going through what we did in 2020 to 2022, mm-hmm. making a transition from in-person to, to virtual to so many people even do just telesales now, which mm-hmm. is crazy to me to even think about. That would have scared the hell out of me in 2012. And it scared me in 2020. You know, but the way that you guys responded and the way we kind of pulled this committee together and got it going, mm-hmm. why don't we take a dip for two weeks and then we were right back up, you know? And yeah. I think that said a lot about the resiliency of the organization, but not if we had not gone through that change, so much of this other stuff that we're doing now or working on wouldn't even be possible. That's right. And so there's no telling what the change will happen, the changes that will happen um, over the next few years. We may be throwing another nasty curveball and have to adjust to it. And I expect that we probably will, mm-hmm. but 
you know, Casey and I have so much and Pope too have so much gratitude uh, and Meredith for the people that we surrounded ourselves with and the grit and resilience that the organization has, because we know that um, it's going to be all right, regardless of what happens. It's, it's going to be all right because people will move and buy into to what uh, what needs to happen for the organization to keep going and going strong. And so I think things are going to look a lot differently. I think people are going to be making a lot more money and a lot less time. We were talking to somebody on a call today that made um, $18,000 on like 19 policies uh, in two days. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I think there's crazy. more and more of that stuff. I mean, how many people have we heard from this year that are part of the $100,000 in a month club of going out and writing, not a lot of IULs, which some of them are doing that. That's great. But we're talking like a hundred applications, a hundred and 116 applications for a hundred and, uh, for 110,000 for one. Uh, yeah. another one was, uh, was, uh, it was a hundred and a hundred or just right in there. It's like, if we would have saw that before, we would have like barricaded the windows for like a week and like while we were trying to find out. What There'd kind be a of, statue of that yeah. person out there but when I was coming up in the business. Yeah, the parade or chains. Oh yeah, too. we were we gonna, were we were gonna get arrested or throw a parade. I mean, <laughs> so. but I think like that's the tip of of what's coming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because there are always going to be people that need our help to protect their families as long as people love and care for each other. As long yeah. as people have families, there's always going to be a need for life insurance. And oftentimes when times are hard or bad, like COVID or like mm -hmm. 2008, nine and 10, people know that they need it even more. Mm -hmm. And so I think you and I are extremely lucky that we landed somewhere that has so far been recession and, and pandemic proof and allowed us to add value in those moments where people need it the most. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think it's going to keep on getting better I think we're not even at the, I think we're not even starting to see the potential mm. of with everything coming out, uh, with AI, with switchboard, with the way that we communicate with clients, with, um, you know, the ability to find the people that, that do need your product. It won't be long. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point this year, somebody has a $200,000 yeah. month. Yeah. It's just a matter now of, are you putting the right amount of time in to go help the right number of people? And if you do that, you're going to be compensated the right way. That's right. And I still can't believe what we're seeing right now with some of the numbers coming out. It blows me away every single week on the leaderboard. It, it just blows me away. And it's a whole different group of people. Yeah. You know, we got doctors, we got mm -hmm. people that were dropped out of high school. We yep. got servers, we got dishwashers. We got, you know, I mean, it's it's engineers. Yep. <laughs> you yeah. know, contractors. I mean, yeah. it it takes all kinds as long as the uh, as long as you're the right type of person. And you and I've said this forever. Like, man, when you when you figure out that you can do this and you want to do this, you'll never want to do anything else. And I think that's when you found your sweet spot in life, regardless of what business that you land in. Um, maybe that's what the uh, all the guidance counselors are trying to teach us. Just. <laughs> Go do what you love. I was like, well, that's a terrible idea <laughs> because I'm 18 years old. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't need to be going and doing what I love right now. I need to go figure out what I love and um, hopefully we'll get lucky enough to land somewhere where we can do that. Or just like that's the mistake that people make. It's like, well, I can't I can't love insurance. It's like, hey, I've got great news. You can just you can just do it with a lot of love. Yeah. You don't have to love you like you don't have to look at the vehicle and be like, I'll like, tell you, I, it, yeah. go talk to your grandfather and, and, and ask him if he loved what he did for a living. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like it, they oh. gave him a Rolex watch because he <laughs> lasted so long. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you this, man. You you deal with a family where you've had to deliver a death benefit or a disability benefit or you've saved someone's retirement and tell me you don't love what you do. If you can't get behind that, like just the fact that the fact that people – I've had the opportunity and this was this, you know, I've, I've made telesales and I, I when I was making telesales, I was sitting there and because uh, the team, I saw the team struggling a little bit. And so I just picked up leads for two weeks. I was like, I just I'm just going to do this. Right. I'm just going to sort it out. I let the lead sit in my system for two weeks because we were going to Costa Rica. No speed to lead. <laughs> nothing. Come back. I'm like, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to make this happen. These people want insurance. So I I uh, talked to them. I got to talk to people who were willing to buy something that they would never use. 
buy something that they would never wear, never drive, mm-hmm. never, never even see the benefit of. They yeah. would just see the document, but they knew that was going to make a difference for their family. And mm-hmm. even in the midst of all those intangibles, they still decided to do it. They decided to make their life a little bit harder right now in one perspective, but give themselves a peace of mind of knowing that they were going to be the shield for their family. Absolutely. It's the most selfless product you can sell and buy. If you can't yeah. get behind doing that, then you just don't like, you just don't like people. Yeah. You just don't like people. And that's, and, a, and that's know. okay too. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, this yeah. ain't, it ain't for everybody. That's, that's yeah. why, that's why they have engineering degrees and we even see those guys work out. <laughs> I've got one as a mentor. That's right. <laughs> Who thought an he's engineer a, could love people? He's, he's a good one. me well. <laughs> chemical know? engineering guy from, uh, from Yale. So, yeah. Yeah. We used to always say, man, it's proof that smart people can do this thing too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like proof for everybody else. <laughs> um, so uh, what I want to um, what I want to do is I want to close out this section of the interview, and I just want to uh, take about uh, five to ten minutes to give people just more exclusive content uh, from uh, for our subscribers. Okay. I want to talk to you about sales. I want to talk to you about being likable, and I want to talk to you about the one thing uh, that you see leaders do that really change people's minds and hearts to follow them. Okay. Um, so be processing that in the thirty seconds before we switch over. Sure, but. But I, I want to say thank you for joining me yeah. for the main part. Thank you, buddy. It's, it's always awesome. good. Thanks again for joining us for this conversation. Head right over to our Patreon for exclusive content, including more from our conversation today. Thank you all for joining our conversations. We're developing this platform for simple, profound tools and techniques that can help you get the best out of your life and more importantly, unlock potential. You can find me across all social platforms at the Brian Delaney and online. Come visit us at thebriandelaney.com.